Boom, 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 boom. Gonna shoot you right down. Take you in my arms. I'm in love with you. Love that is true. Hello there. My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Skyfall. I am here this week, as every week, with Christian McCransky. Say my name, my real name. I know you remember it. <laughs> and with a Skyfall tagline, Kelly Wand. Four more years since the last James Bond movie. Huh, guys? Very good. A little uh, election humor. Good. Yeah, it's going to be so topical when people hear this. <laughs> Plus, you're in Canada, so you don't even understand that, Kelly Wand. That's a dig, but it, you know what? Because I'm a Canadian, I don't care if you dig me. Very good. Or however you say it. <laughs> I don't even know American anymore. So let's see. On this week's errata section, where we correct things we said last week that were wrong. <laughs> Seems to be the more things we say, the more things are wrong. Well, it turns out every one of us was wrong about the uh, identity of the footballer in The Man with the Iron Fist. Uh, he, was not, he was not gold. He was not bronze. He was instead brass body. Uh, so we incorrectly identified him. Uh, any other corrections that you guys have? That was brass? Because it was shinier than bronze. Well, you can polish brass, Kelly Wand, if you know what I'm saying. The more you know. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I pointed out last week that um, I do a little thing when I'm just killing time in the lobby of a theater with whomever, and you go down the line and you look at movie posters, and you assign a dollar <laughs> value to each movie poster. The, the, the amount, you, you assign an amount of money to each movie poster as far as like what you would have to be paid to see that movie. So, for instance, you know, Rise of the Guardians, it's, I think a DreamWorks cartoon or whatever, I'd go see that for $40. Is that the uh, owl one? No, that's uh, <laughs> there, there is an owl one. But, yeah, that's one. The owls have the name that Dingus just said, Gahul or whatever. Uh, oh, I knew it. Actually, no, that's the guy in uh, Sinister. Isn't that the guy that Vincent D'Onofrio oh, explained? Sarah Butterworth's <laughs> upset you haven't seen that yet. Or did you um, see it? Did you no, see I, did, I, did, I will not be seeing Sinister anytime soon. Wait, what's Rise of the Guardians? I don't know what you it's a cartoon where all of the like the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny and Jack Frost, oh, uh, Jesus they fight crime or something. It's like the Avengers, but with childhood uh, fictional characters. Let's make marketing spokesmen out of nursery rhymes. Exactly. Um, so me. that, I went for $40. I would go see that Twilight <laughs> Part 5.2 or whatever that is. Uh, because Anna Kendrick is no longer in it, I will see that for $50. That's uh, cheap. You're being an idiot, I think, well, on that. I, here, here's where it gets really... I would have to be paid $100 to see Twilight. Okay, well, so. we all have our standards. Wait a minute. Up. You've gone to see that with your mom. How much did she No, pay? I didn't. No, no. The thing about the eyes turning red, she just told me about it. Don't and pay I paid her $100. She paid me $100. Don't, don't, don't be revisionist with us. You there, went to see other, Twilight with your mom. The other monitor... No. Well, the, find, uh, it, find the recording. <laughs> I listened to it, so I will. Oh, uh, guilt trip, for instance. Anyone? Anyone want to assign guilt a dollar? Trip. Guilt trip. The thing with Seth Rogen going on a road trip with his mom, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll pay ten dollars to see that. Oh, very good. I would only have to be paid ten dollars <laughs> for that one. Dingus, what's your price? We'll, on we'll almost pay an actual ticket rate for it. Yep. Uh, I'd go see it for free. Okay, so Dingus broke even on guilt trip. See, there's a good little spend. Now here's where I get expensive. Uh, parental guidance, starring Billy Crystal and. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say Barbara. It's 300 bucks, but go on. 
for me, it's eighty bucks. Billy Crystal and who's the who's his wife? It's someone like Shelley Long or something awful like that. Uh, Shelley Long, uh, that's two hundred. Anyway, I want to rechange my order. I will. I'll see that now for ten. But they they pay like they play grandparents, and then the younger generation. It's a guy named uh, Tom Everett Scott, who I, I recognize his name. I don't know when he's from, but Marissa Tomei, you see, is the mother, and then there's a bunch of little precocious child actors. So. Billy Crystal, though, is a toxic presence. I would have to, I would have to be paid $80 to see that. Now, so I mentioned this last week on the podcast, and I mentioned that Lincoln, which I have no desire to see, uh, my, my rate there would be $50. Uh, someone, a uh, fellow named Jacob Hyde, emailed me, or he contacted me, and he said, well, you know, John Hawks is in that, uh, and you like John Hawks, which I think we all do on the podcast. And so I responded, you know what, you're right. Uh, I'd, I'd come down to $35. Lo and behold, $35 PayPal payment uh, directed to me from Jacob Hyde. Uh, yes. So I was paid. Money. I was, well, I, I was paid to go see Lincoln, which we will be discussing on this podcast next week. So now you guys have to see it as well. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. Did you already see it? All Wait, I'm saying, you got paid to see it, and now we have to see it. No, I was going to see it for free to write the opsis, but <laughs> someone pays you 35 bucks. even. Well, now you guys have not seen you guys have thrown down your rates on this. For instance, we know what it'll cost to get you guys to see Guilt Trip. Uh, Kelly Wand, you've set parental guidance at $100. Maybe someone's interested in a synopsis. So you've put yourselves on the market as well. This was my game. Uh, I uh, uh, Now you guys are, are, are more than welcome to participate in this. Uh, it's 35 bucks just for you to see Lincoln by yourself. All right, you know what? I'll send you guys a third each. How about that? I, I don't want a third. I was going to see it anyway. So, so once again, my price is zero. All right, so Kelly, what is Canadian dollars in a third of the $35 that Jacob Hyde sent me? I'm going to the Jefferson Davis biography that's Auditorium <laughs> Over, written by John Kelly. I'm going to see John Smith. I'm going to see HBO's John Smith. Uh, uh, also... Uh, I want to say I don't normally watch trailers. I've, I've been enjoying the trailer, the little uh, behind-the-scenes trailer thing for Le Miserable, where they explain, you know, hey, we're really listening to the music. We're really singing as we film. Is that uh, one of the lyrics? That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's pretty catchy, I have to admit. I want to see that. What's that mean in English? It's no Phantom of the Opera. Uh, but I just want to say, watching this, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, watching this little featurette after having seen Man with the Iron Fists, it occurs to me that I miss Fat Russell Crowe. Oh, you've only you saw him a week ago, and you already miss him. I know, I know. Wow, <laughs> I was really very fond him. of him. <laughs> I agree with you, though. I like him more fat, and I like it when fat actors like don't give a fuck that they're fat. I think it's cool. Yeah, like chick. I like when chicks do it too. Like, I'm going out. Also, uh, I did see when when trailers come on. Uh, uh, I love when people when you're in a movie theater and a trailer starts. People who say out loud the name of the, of the movie as if it's a game, like it's a competition. Uh, so I yeah. now recognize it's Star Wars music. Right, I now recognize the trailer from The Hobbit because it opens with Ian McKellen saying, and I quote here: "Far to the east." Over ranges and rivers, lies a single solitary peak. The dwarves are determined to reclaim their homeland. Once he got all that out, someone behind me in the theater went, Hobbit. <laughs> Genius. Hey, first off, you remembered all that just now. Yeah, seriously, how'd you do that? I had to write it down. That's the weirdest. Oh, all right. Uh, also, right at the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did somebody else go, oh, man. I was more impressed that Tom had memorized Tolkien verses. <laughs> I didn't care about the other character involved. But anyway. Uh, also, at the Zero Dark Thirty trailer, 
uh, afterwards, someone, I don't know if it was the same guy, someone goes, too soon. What? Wait, what's Zero Dark Thirty? I don't know anyway. Uh, it's Catherine Bigelow's movie about uh, <laughs> the, the killing of... <laughs> shut up. Why did you do that? Of the, the killing of Osama bin Laden. Why did I do what? Oh, that thing. Fuck that shit. Fuck you that know, I was, bullshit. I was really Go annoyed on. that that was coming out in December instead of before the election, because I thought, why are, we being, why are you being so careful about this? And now I don't care. No, it's a Christmas theme. <laughs> it was our gift. It's our Christmas gift. Wait, why? What do you mean now you don't care, Dingus? You don't care because uh, the election is over? Yeah, because I thought, well, this is something that, that is, you know, that would have supported a certain president. Um, and why are, why, why are they pushing it off just to be careful? I, I, I didn't get why they were pushing it off. Uh, my guess, Dingus, is that it's it's not a political message so much as it's uh, they're wanting to save it for Oscar season. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. But for, for me, what I, it just felt like, I don't know, it just felt weird. All right. Well, uh, that's all over with now, Dingus. You can relax. We won. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, that's why I don't care. <laughs> Stupid hillbillies. All right, so Dingus, what did we... Uh, let's get down to brass tacks here, or bronze tacks, as the case may be. Brass tacks. No. Uh, uh, no, br- bronze tacks, because you can polish them. <laughs> what did we see this week, Dingus? All right, well, this week we saw Skyfall, mm. a, a 2012 American action-adventure spy movie. About an MI6 agent learning about loyalty. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? 20 movies in. It was directed by Sam Mendes and written by Neil Purvis, Ampersand, Robert Wade, and John Logan. Mm. Based on characters created by Ian Fleming. Mm. Skyfall stars Naomi Harris, Daniel Kelly Craig. Kelly Wand. Oh. And that, oh was for, yeah. that was for Daniel Craig, I take it. Go ahead, Dingus. <laughs> Daniel Craig. Naomi Harris. Javier Bardem, Naomi Harris, Judy Dench, Naomi Harris, Ben Wishaw, Rafe Fiennes, and Heineken. <laughs> uh, it's true. Skyfall is rated PG-13 for intense, violent sequences throughout. Some sexuality, language, and... Mm-hmm. Can you guess the last word? Smoking. Very good, smoking. Who smokes? So, uh, Berenice Marlowe, I believe, doesn't she, uh, that's how did she represents that she's afraid. She, she jiggles a cigarette in her hand to indicate fear. Tom's got his finger on the pulse of smoking. Smoker always <laughs> die, always die. Eventually, everyone always dies, Kelly Wand. Yeah, but Ooh. it's like, it's cinema speak for, uh, Tombstone. Uh, so let's see, Skyfall, uh, pretty much at the box office, I, I would say it uh, it kicked ass. Uh, Skyfall is the biggest opening of a James Bond movie ever. It, it had an $88 million weekend. Uh, it's been out overseas for a few weeks already, so all told, we don't normally do international box office, but all told, it's international box office in excess of a half a billion dollars. <sighs> Whoa, what? It is the number four opening of the year. Behind Avengers, Dark Knight Rises, and Hunger Games, uh, and it, it's easily uh, out box office the opening weekends for Casino Royale and uh, Quantum of Solace. Uh, critically speaking, on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety-one percent of all reviews of Skyfall were positive. So nine percent, nine percent went fuck this movie. Very good, Kelly. One ninety-one minus hundred minus ninety-one is indeed nine. Well I just played. want to represent both sides. <laughs> uh, on Metacritic, which gauges the 
which averages out the rating for reviews that use some sort of a numerical rating or a grade scale or whatever (laughs) on Metacritic. Uh, (laughs) I'll still forget. I'll listen to it and write it down at the same time, and I still won't care Uh, or know. Okay, well, Kalewan, write this down, 81. Oh, that's a a 10% dia margin. So... Right. Kelly, why don't that's a a ten percent die margin? I don't know what that die margin. D I A. No, it's a ten percent asymmetrical algorithm. Oh, <laughs> very good, Dingus. Uh, Dingus paid attention to what Ben Wishaw was saying. Kelly Wand. I'd get no credit for setting him up. Well, Kelly Wand, let's give you some credit. Why don't you? <laughs> that's a great. Hey, can we take that over? I just wasn't feeling it. That segue. <laughs> okay, here we go. Take two. Kelly Wand, let's give you huh? some credit. And uh. is that better? I don't know. It felt it felt a little forced. But I thought you were going to tell us what the numbers meant instead of uh, how you arrived. How you like? You said- oh, I see. Are we still doing that bit? <laughs> well, it seems because Tom arrived at these numbers himself. Yes. All right. The numbers mean Kelly Wand. Uh, that this is a huge uh, step up for James Bond movies, uh, critically and commercially. Actually, not so much critically, because Casino Royale uh, did very well on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic as well. Casino Royale actually did better. Uh, Casino Royale has a Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating of 95%. What? Yeah, so everybody loved Casino Royale. Kelly Wand, if you do the math, you will find that 5% of people didn't like hated Casino it. Royale. It's the I, worst movie ever made. Those I movies. hated it, just gave it a negative review. Oh. But everybody hated Quantum of Solace. Quantum right? of Solace, yes, Dingus. Quantum mm-hmm. of Solace was uh, 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. It had a Metacritic of 58. So yeah, Quantum of Solace, it also uh, it, it did better than Casino Royale financially, but critically, nobody liked Quantum of Solace. You're right. Because the writers... I didn't... I didn't even watch that because Tom described it to me, and that was good enough. <laughs> I accidentally didn't pay close enough attention to Quantum of Solace when, when I was watching it. And near the end, James Bond has a, a fight in uh, some sort of a structure that's made of highly flammable material. And I, I, I missed the part where they explain this. Where somebody there's, there's like a scene where somebody's explaining, yeah, we're using these special construction materials. Everything's really flammable. So at the end, there's a big fight with uh, Matthew Matthew. Amalric, I think is his name, the, the guy who plays the villain, and walls and, and doors and balcony, things are just uh-huh. randomly blowing up everywhere. Yeah. And it was the most ridiculous thing to me because I missed the exposition explaining why they blow up. So, uh, yeah, Quantum Why aren't they all blowing up all at the same time if they're fucking that flammable? Like, you don't just... Like, he lives. Like, they just run in through it and then somehow just jump clear at the end. It's James Bond physics, Kelly Wand. And the girls screaming the whole time, like that chick in the Miyazaki movie. I now compare women's scream sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. That's what I bring to the internet, Tom. What do you bring, person tiles? Uh, I just brought I you. I just, I just explained the numbers for you. So that's, that, that's what I bring you. I, I You've answered my question. Yeah. Sorry. I All right, so Kelly Wand, why don't we now, oh. if you <clears> have <throat> not seen Skyfall, Kelly Wand is about to now spoil it for you by explaining in possibly exhaustive detail Everything that happens in this movie. Kelly Wand, if you were to do such a thing, what would you call it? What do you think I'd call it? A Skyfopsis. Good. <laughs> no, nah, wait. You get mad, though, when you're right. You're like, disappointing. 
even though I thought it would be like a cool team victory, but you're always like predictable, typical. All right. Yeah. So Skyfox uh, says Skyfox. Okay. Well, I, if you want to stick with that name, you know, you don't like it. No, that's what I'm talking it. about. I love it. Skyfox. It's rock and roll. What about Skyfoss? How about just Skopsis? Go. A close encounter's alien turns into James Bond. He goes into a hotel room, turns on the lights, looks the place over, squintingly nods at us, raises his blank wrist and goes, room's clear. The guy in the chair behind him goes, your watch isn't a phone. James Bond jumps, whirls and shoots the guy in the abdomen. Jesus, you scared the fuck out of me. The guy weakly gropes at his wound. My pancreas. James Bond cocks his gun. Is that who you work for? Sounds Chinese. The guy's all, I'm on your side, 004. We've been sharing this hotel room for weeks. James Bond's all, oh. He lowers his gun. I'm just going to crash here tonight, then. The guy's all, I'm bleeding. James Bond's all, right, sit, rep, hang on. He pulls out his phone and punches in 004. The guy in the chair's jacket rings. He's all, that's mine. James Bond's all, right, sorry, here, redial, wait, wait, cancel. 007, it's busy. Uh, what's spy for 911 again? The guy's all, oh, my God. James Bond's all, look, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know much about guns, but I don't think you're going to make it. Is there anyone you want me to call? A girlfriend? That Dominican chick? What was her name? Rhonda? Rolanda? Rolanda and Bonda? The guy's all, shoot the bad guy in the other chair. James Bond turns his neck three degrees and notices the guy in the turban sitting in the chair beside him pulling out a gun. James Bond's all, hey, wait a minute, that's a turban. Kind of weird how your women don't have beehives, huh? Hey, wait a minute. The guy starts to shoot him, but James Bond shoves his arm aside, so he shoots 004 again in the chest. James Bond's all, no, and grapples with the guy, and 004 gets shot a bunch more times, and a piano lands on his nuts. Long story. Eventually, the bad guy pulls James Bond's pants down and jumps out the window. James Bond shakes his fist, pulls his boxers up, because the guy pulled his underwear down, too, and turns 004. Uh, trying to think of a cool one-liner that's window-themed. Like, he had a ground to catch while I'm straightening my tie. And the guy's all, we're on first floor. He's getting away. James Bond in the slumps. James Bond's all, no, 004, we've been through so much. He draws his gun and gets in the elevator and takes it up to the third floor, then hassles a maid for a key to a supply closet and opens it and goes out the window and down the fire escape, but trips and falls over the rail and smashes through the windshield of a breaking VW. A hot black, a hot black chick's driving. <laughs> He's all, well, hello, darker the cherry, sweeter the juice. She floors it and goes, Agent Moneypenny, 004. He's all, yeah, he didn't make it. Was kind of a dick to me, actually. Sort of glad he's dead. She's all, 004, you still there? From the car phone, 004 is all, target getting on train. A lot of trains in this movie. Miss Moneypenny careens down the Turkish alley version of Lombard Street and runs down a bunch of fruit carts and chicken cages and Jackie Gleason and Roger Ebert and loses a side-view mirror. James Bond winks at her and goes, you weren't using it anyway. She tries to knock her other side-view off and succeeds after backing up a couple times and him getting out and gesturing with his hand. She's all, I wasn't using that one either. He's all, uh, you weren't using your clothes either. Huh? She rolls her eyes and runs over his foot and drives off. He calls a cab and follows her. Luckily, the cabbie's a trained Deus Ex Machina and drives alongside the train and honks the horn till it wakes James Bond up. James Bond steps onto the roof of the train. The bad guy pulls out a gun. James Bond raises his fists. The bad guy shoots him in the chest. 
More stuff happens. Moneypenny, who's also a sniper, is on a hill watching glumly. From her headset, Imsol. Agent Moneypenny, do you have a clean shot? <laughs> That's my Judy Dench, Dingus. I had a clean shot, but then he saw this tractor and had to do a bunch of monkey shines. Maybe next time just give him a train ticket. Imsol. We did! Just take the shot. That guy's compromised security for a piece of ass 981 times that we know of. Hopefully he hit his willy. Money Penny fires, but her bullet just pushes the other guy's bullet out in the credits start, which means the mission's over. Falling 200 feet in ice-cold water and fucking a Turkish whore. Heal James Bond completely. Six months, theme song by. M. Sad. She writes James Bond's obituary, but understandably bogs down when she gets to Moonraker. Her boss is Jeremy Irons. He's all, you're old, spying's bullshit, you're fired. She's all, no! <laughs> you guys still there? A computer hacker crank calls her, so she gets in her something and drives across a bridge till a cop raises his hand, so her driver has to stop. M gets out pissed off, but the Bobby gestures to the British White House. It blows up. Luckily, only six people were working that day, but they all get awesome huge coffins. She stares at them for a couple seconds and goes home. She turns on the lights to her bathroom, and there's James Bond sitting in her sink. She shakes her jowls at him and is all, Damn you, 007, banging a Turkish whore for six months since your last mission shows poor judgment. He's all, I thought that was the mission. She's all, well, you're fired. Bye. He's all, I get it. You want me back. He lights a tampon he thinks is a cigarette and goes, Perhaps some begging will sway me. She's all, we're replacing you with Jeremy Renner, or if this tank's Taylor Kitsch. He's all, I get it. All your double O's are dying horribly. You need to use your best agent as bait. I've been hearing good things about double O three. M eyes him thoughtfully. Hmm, dying horribly. Perhaps you're right. We'll have to make you do some tests, but if I lie about the scores to Jeremy Irons while he's in my office, we should be okay unless he asks to see the document or looks it up in the database. James Bond's all cool. Hey, some of the other dudes were talking about the stuff called Kevlar. That doesn't exist, right? Or you would have given me a vest of it to wear before that mission, all my missions. She's all, Kevlar's completely mythical. That's why Frodo had it. <laughs> James Bond's all, hey, if he was a spy, his name would be Double O Doe, huh? But she's already in bed watching porn from the 1930s. He crashes in a garage for a couple weeks and also sleeps there, then goes to work, which is in the parking garage and gymnasium now because the jocks blew up the MI6 fraternity house. He heads down to the basement where Philip Seymour Hoffman gives him a word association test. Gun, M's vagina? Apple, M's vaginas. Martini? Uh, Martin Lawrence's name in Italy? M. Wait, she's the weapons guy, right? No, that's Q. Michael Moriarty. Murder. Awesome. Baccarat? Uh, raindrops keep falling. That's three words, pass. Goldeneye. Hervé Villachez? Aston Martin. Uh, Martin Lawrence's nickname in that 70s show? Thunderball. Uh, the James Conn or Chris Klein? Lazenby. That's two words, fool. I got a word for you. My face and your ass. Goldfinger. Hervé Villachez. What you writing there? Zero, zero. You forgot to add the seven. Speaking of which, shouldn't my... Shouldn't my spy name just be number seven, like the prisoner? Whole double O thing's been limiting us to nine dudes in 62. <laughs> oh, that's my score. Zero, zero, point, zero, 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 exclamation point? Hmm. What's passing? 
Later on, while he's doing his nightly poke around in his chest cavity with a salad fork, he finds some shit inside and brings it in a baggie to work. He tells a guy at a desk, have this analyzed. The guy's all, I'm an interrogator, but okay. James Bond's all, I'm going to do some target practice, feeling pretty lucky today. The guy behind the desk nods faux politely as Bond heads into the target range. Eight shots ring out. The door opens and Bond staggers out, bleeding from the eyes and sack. He falls to his knees and drags a tablecloth and a bunch of silverware and plates on top of himself. Target dummy, too fast. The guy behind the desk picks up his phone and goes, yeah, new tablecloth to ballistics again. Some paramedics come, lower a stretcher, gently put the target dummy on the stretcher and trot off. James Bond heads back to the Turkish bordello to recuperate for a few more months, then comes back to work and nods at the interrogator. You get that stuff analyzed? The guy's all, yeah, just ordinary chest hair. Gray, really bad dye job. Bond's all, wrong bag. Hang on. He goes into a restroom, carves another hole in his chest, and comes back out with a fresh baggie. The interrogator looks in and winces. You want this analyzed? Bond's all, not the nipple. That was an accident. Just those weird metal filings that say uranium on them. Think I know which planet they're from. He winks at us. He goes to an art museum and stares at a restroom entrance. A young man sits next to him and hands him a box and goes, We could have done this at work. James Bond's all, I never mix business with pleasure till the job starts. Ooh, what's this do? Famam. It's a radio, FMAM. Ah, what about this gun? Uh, you shoot people with it. But we something your DNA to the grip, so only you can use it. James Bond's all, clever girl. They can't even beat me to death with it. Uh, that they can still do. James Bond smiles grimly. The joke will be on them. I've trained myself to pass out after a single punch. Q stands up. Well, I gotta get going. James Bond's all super loud. The pearl's in the river. Then stage whispers, I'll take the main exit, and tries to jump out a window, but it's a painting of a window. So he hurts himself. It's a $2 million Rembrandt called the Museum Window. <laughs> James Bond goes to a construction site made out of glow sticks to stop an assassination and to get info from the assassin, but fails at both tasks. Then, for the hat trick, goes to a casino where he promises a sad hot chick he'll keep her safe from her boyfriend if she rats him out. Then he strolls jauntily up to the casino's cash-out counter and slides a chip across to the chick behind the cage and goes, The name's book. Some thugs put a bag over his head and beat him unconscious with tire irons and teal tasers. He wakes up to find himself in a room of computers made out of chicken wire and raw Julia mincing at him. James Bond saw you, a uh, odd job? Raul Julia haughtily tosses a feather bow over his shoulder, sits down backwards on a chair in front of Bond, licks his lips, gently removes Bond's shirt, strokes his chest, daubs the bullet wound with his saliva, and then begins slowly pumping his index finger into the hole and moaning softly. James Bond's all, Okay, Mr. Hans Brinker, I'm on to you. You're horny for him. I don't blame you. I've waxed the dolphin to her myself a few times. She even threw me out of a debriefing once for being too loud. Raul Julia unzips James Bond's pants and begins making cooing canary sounds at his willy. James Bond's all, okay, Mr. Birdman of Alcatraz, I've been tied to a chair before and had my balls smacked with nunchakas by a back rat player with a leaky <laughs> eye. It was the only high point of that mission, so my answer's yes. <laughs> Might need alcohol in me first to grease the skids, though, and also some to drink. Aw, Tom's cat critiques the opposite. Raul Julia takes him to a brown back lot where the sad hot chick is chained to a rock. James Bond waves at her. Don't worry whatever your name was. I haven't lost a chick yet. Have you safe and sound in a jiffy. 
He stage whispers to Raul Julia, I told that chick I'd kill you. Hopefully she doesn't remember. Raul Julia puts a glass of Jim Beam on her head. Jim Bean? Jim Bean, huh? And hands James Bond a pistol. James Bond holds it gingerly by the barrel. Raul Julia is all, shoot the glass from her head. James Bond's all, Ugh. My usual adversaries feed me a big banquet first, or at least read my tarot. He squints, pulls the trigger, click, the henchmen snicker. James Bond sticks his lower lip out at them, takes the safety off, smirks at them, aims, and squints again. The henchmen laugh. James Bond sticks his lower lip out again, turns the gun around so it's facing the chick and not himself, and fires. Katwang! A bullet goes screeing off a rock twelve feet from the girl who's fallen asleep. James Bond's all, minor dickens! He throws the gun down and stamps on it. Then he's all, wait, were we trying to hit the rock? Raul Julia shoots the girl in the head. The glass falls to the dirt and spills its whiskey into the bloody sand. Raul Julia turns to his henchman. Kill him. James Bond's all, whoa, whoa, you gotta tell me your plot. Does something Russian laser MacGuffin, then I say a zinger and use a gadget? You were too stupid to notice. Or a black guy in the crowd lets me wear his cap so the cop cars don't stop, and then he and I sit together on the bus and smile smugly at each other because cops are bullshit, except military police. You can see the trailer, though. Raul Julia's all, I said kill him, not let him prattle endlessly. James Bond's all, ha, he fell right into my trap. Dead chained up woman, help! Luckily, some helicopters show up and arrest Raul Julia. <laughs> Was that Honey? Yeah, or Tom's that's... cat again? Mm. <laughs> that's, yeah, Tom's cat. Starting to agree with the dog. They take him to England and put Raul Julia in a glass cube. One of the guards is all, shouldn't we just kill this guy or at least confine him in something less breakable? James Bond's all the glass was my idea. That way, if he breaks out, we'll hear it. Obviously, we'll have to be in the room. M barges in, seething. Glass, what the fuck? She sees Raul Julia and seethes slightly less. Raul Julia, the best gay hacker and helicopter gunship pilot to ever vow revenge against MI6. <laughs> Raul Julia's all, you assigned Bond as my partner for six missions. He was supposed to kill Richard Keel's jaws using a poison tooth, but instead he put it in my mouth while I was sleeping and posted my convulsions on YouTube. Do you know what hydrogen peroxide does? He takes a CG retainer out of his mouth with his eyeballs attached to it. His skull caves in. Some of the kids there for a grade school tour vomit. He puts the retainer back in, but upside down, so his eyeballs are sticking from his nostrils. He gargles like Bane. Him's all, that's gross. Raul Julia's trying to sneeze out his eyes. He's all, sorry, this eyeball thing's an unrelated birth defect. Long story. Anyway, what does hydrogen peroxide do? I've heard good things. James Bond snaps his fingers and goes, wait, wait, I got one. You don't, I don't know what you did that for. Your eyes only are sticking out of your nose. Boom! He raises a hand for a high five, but Im's already shut the door and headed for the cafeteria. James Bond claps the guards on the back and goes, okay, look, I don't trust you guys, and this was my bust, so I'll take first watch. None taken, right? Same team. He walks them to the door, shuts it, and turns around. Raul Julia's cage is empty. James Bond goes to an underground train station, sees Raul Julia's getting on board, helps him to his seat, gets back off, waits for it to start, then jogs after it and jumps on the back caboose. He knocks and makes whimpering dog sounds till the chick conductor lets him in. She's also, I'm like a 2012 version of the redneck sheriff in the first two Roger Moore ones, huh? He's all, sometimes the old ways are best, and brushes past her. She's all, by the way, you got me fired from my last job for that tractor shit. 
He shuts the door on her, then sees Raul Julia flipping him off outside from the platform. He's all, fuck, and pulls the emergency brake cord and passes past the chick again, breaks the door when he opens the door, chases Raul Julia into a concrete sewer cul-de-sac and pulls his gun out while Raul Julia is climbing a ladder. End of the line, Julia, for one of us at least. I always get the former and ladder mixed up. He smiles and winks at us. Raul Julia is all, a train's about to fall on your head. Thanks for not shooting me while I said this. As Raul Julia resumes climbing, Bond's all, this movie's not called Trainfall. Then he hears the train whistle and ducks. The train lands a couple inches away. The chick conductor sticks her bleeding head out and stares at James Bond and goes, when my agent told me I was going to be a Bond girl, she faints. Raul Julia tries to shoot M a few more times, but keeps escaping, so to get out of the city unnoticed, James Bond steals the Goldfinger car, cranks up the James Bond theme, and drives her to Scotland. She wakes up to find Brian Cox in 1890s groundskeeper clothes, licking her up and down and going, Speaking of fair game! <laughs> James Bond looks around the castle and goes, Yep, my childhood castle. Had things pretty rough. Place was originally called Octopussy, after my grandma. Using light bulb filaments and one-liners, they Macaulay Culkin Raul Julia's first batch of rifle guys, so he comes back in a helicopter gunship with more rifle guys. James Bond tricks Raul Julia by blowing up his childhood castle while the copter crashes into it. Unfortunately, Raul Julia's in neither of them, so they chase each other through some tunnels and blow those up. Raul Julia's last guy tries to trick James Bond by falling under ice flows with him, but we know from earlier the effects of cold water on wounded James Bond. Raul Julia has M cornered. He puts a pistol in her hand and tells her to kill him. And she's all, it'll be a pleasure. But James Bond throws a knife in her back before she gets to pull the trigger. She dies from the knife wound, and Raul Julia dies from boredom. Brian Cox takes his hat off, kneels by him, and goes, I'm still interested. Six weeks jump cut by. James Bond gets bored, so he goes to the roof of his work to stare pensively at other roofs. Money Penny somehow gets up there while carrying a ceramic bulldog, hands it to him, and bails again. He comes down and sees her at the reception desk and goes, Looks like my charmingly doubting your abilities pinched a nerve. Wouldn't mind pinching something else of yours. He winks at us and squeezes air boobs. She's all, I was the best driver and sniper in MI6, but thanks to you they demoted me to secretary. Go to hell, asshole. He's all, the name's Bond. dun dun, dun. The end? <laughs> oh, the end, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's see. That uh, that was quite the synopsis, Kelly Wand. Um, how did you... First of all, let's weigh in briefly on Casino Royale. We, we sort of established... I don't, I don't think anyone liked Quantum of Solace. Are there any Quantum of Solace defenders in this room? Fuck no. Diggis, well, I like the skip all. Uh, who was the girl? Was that Eva? That wasn't the Eva Green Olga one, Kurlenko. was it? No. Oh, Olga Kurlenko. Right, right. was naked and Hitman. She's right. cool. Uh, Dingus and also, it had uh, it had Jim Arderton too, by the way. Oh, Strawberry Fields. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so. that was that was the best thing about that one. There you go. Um, and how do you guys feel about uh, Casino Royale? Uh, I mostly liked it, but it was annoying to me that he was playing Texas Hold'em in Monte Carlo instead of Baccarat, although I kind of understood that, but it felt wrong, like right. they were just trying to pander. Is that, is that the first Daniel Craig one? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was where Daniel Craig uh, sort of, that was I, his I, debut as Bond. 
I quite liked it. I, I, I uh, especially because I, I, I mean, maybe I, this is revisionist, but I like Mads Mickelson so much. Um, yeah. I, I think I quite liked it. All right. Okay. Well, then, uh, how did you guys feel about Skyfall? Dingus, why don't you start out? Um, I was overwhelmed by it. I, I, I don't know what my problem is, but I felt like I'd been, um, sort of sensorily assaulted by it and ended up loving it because of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kelly Wand, can you, uh, in a nutshell, tell us how, was there any gambling in this that, that detracted from your enjoyment? There wasn't any gambling in it. He just goes and gets a he briefcase. Says, no, he, yep, exactly wrong. He puts it all on red, not on black. That's right. He, he tells uh, him yeah. to put it all on red. Yeah. yeah, well, what happens with that? That's her Better than what happened with Leslie Snipes. <laughs> uh, uh, I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, it's Roger Deakins cinematography, right? Boy, I'll say. Yeah, so I yeah. I, I loved this. I I, I think yeah. I was probably dragging my feet the most about seeing this. I, I really didn't care for Quantum of Solace. Uh, Casino Royale was cool. It had some cool things in it. I really enjoyed Daniel Craig in it. But I just had no desire to see another James Bond movie. And so I don't know how much that contributed. But there were so many things that I thought this just did absolutely right. I mean, this... It's easy for me to. I've never been a huge James Bond fan, but I'm really? a huge fan. Not really. I mean, I'm a huge James Bond fan, and this felt like a James Bond movie. And Quantum Solace so wasn't. So I felt kind of the same way you did. Okay, this felt like a James Bond movie that was teaching me about James Bond movies, yeah. and it made me fall in love with. It's the, the Dark Knight of, of James Bond movies. Exactly, it is the Dark Knight of James Bond yeah. movies, and, and partly that it's. Uh, it's in a way, it's a bit of a reboot, and it's even a bit of an origin story. Yeah. I felt uh, that way, too. I felt uh-huh. that way, too. And it's an odd thing to do the third time around, um, but for whatever reason they wanted to do that, it absolutely worked. Uh, Kelly Wan, you mentioned Roger Deakins. I had no idea it was him until the credits, and so I'm sitting there watching it and thinking, wow, Sam Mendes is really doing some great visual stuff. Uh, and then at the end, when I saw Roger Deakins' name, I was like, well, yeah, of course, that makes perfect sense. Um, I, I loved how it was not, and Kelly Wan, you mentioned being a James Bond fan. Part of the reason I'm not is because a lot of what James Bond is, I don't know about a lot of it, but a prominent part of James Bond, and they make fun of it here, is the gadget porn. And I feel about <laughs> that. Gadget porn is fine, but I feel about that the same way I feel about techno babble saving the day in, in Star Trek in that it, it's a it's a cheap way around doing character stuff. I don't care if somebody has an exploding pen. I don't care if Scotty rewires flux capacitors. I, I care instead about <laughs> decisions that the characters make. And so often those have been crutches in James Bond movies, Star Trek, whatever. Uh, so I love how this movie did a did a, an end run around that. Uh, like any good hero movie, the villain in this was amazing. I, I just loved what they did with Javier Bardem, how they made a He wasn't just some sniv- sniveling guy out for revenge. They had these cool connections between him and Bond. They were kind of like a, uh, he was kind of like a foil to Bond. They were struggling with the same issues. The movie was about both of them yeah. sort of dealing with parent issues. and, and The same issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, around the same character, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and, by the way, I am so glad that they gave Judy Dench Tons. so much. This the movie, she, she was she was arguably she she wasn't the lead character. You couldn't say that, but the movie was so much about her, and I really liked that they did that. And I really, I just so admire her, and she's so amazing as an actress. And I'm so glad that the movie appreciated what it had in Judy Dench. Uh, well, both of them. 
third and it, well yeah 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 uh and then finally one of the last things i want to uh, mention is i loved how it was a, a great mixture of of playfulness and grimness uh of action and character stuff like it, it didn't feel like it was sacrificing one or the other it, it it touched on both of those extremes in both cases uh and i loved how adroitly it did that so there's me in a tournament. I've been waiting to say this for a while. I, I just had a grand time. I will see this again, by the way. And I cannot think of a single James Bond movie that I would ever care to sit through a second time. Um, Have you seen all of them? Uh, yeah, of course. Quiz this, me. Uh, this is the first one in a long time where it actually felt like an actual iconic James Bond movie. Like Tractors and Truck, Tractors on a Train, that's stuff that I haven't seen in a James Bond movie before. But I felt like I should have. The last one you saw... Okay. What is Felix Leiter's status? <laughs> Retired. I don't know. This is boring. Forget it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not a Bond fan. I mean, I, I've seen all of them. It's part of, you know, growing up when they were made. Uh, and I, I, you know, I really like Daniel Craig. Um, yeah, here's a cool thing. How, how could we not have uh, a James Bond? Why did it take so long for us to have a James Bond who looks so good without a shirt? I mean, good lord. Uh, Daniel Craig is just like, he's got that suave thing, that fit thing. I mean, even Timothy Dalton can look sort of tough, but I mean, you don't have Timothy Dalton running around shirtless if I don't, unless I mis- misremembered something. I have to tell you, I'm glad you brought that up because this movie is so damn sexy. I can't get over it. I, I, I you know, I left this movie, one of the things I was talking about being overwhelmed as far as my senses were concerned. I mean, it's very loud. It's gorgeous, uh, not only because of Roger Deakins, but also because of Dennis Gassner, who did the production design. And both of those guys worked with the Coen brothers. I just love the way the MI6 bunkers looked. And I mean, and and then watching Naomi Harris shave him and how sexy mm. she was, I was overwhelmed by this, to the extent that when, when uh, Daniel Craig has his shirt off, I'm like, God, he's so fucking hot. Oh, oops, did I just think that? This movie is so such a sexy damn movie. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah it really is. It's, it's I've never heard Dingus go on. I'm like sorry. I, I just, no, I I like know, it. you know, to add something to, to Tom's, I, and I don't know if you said this, Tom, because I loved what, I loved how you just, this litany of things that you went on with. It was so cool. Uh, the other thing that I love about this is that it, it decides not to be about the MacGuffin. It introduces this uh, this knock list or whatever that. Oh, that's that, right. <laughs> and and then it just decides we're not chasing that. This is about a couple of characters who are against each other. We're just going to throw that out the window. And I just love that the MacGuffin just is yeah. Forget that. We don't care about that. Oh, I just love this movie so much. It just turned. I'm not going to say it turns. Still, no, it, it turned me on too, Dingus. I know. All right. Uh, yeah. By the way, it takes a really really sexy movie to make. To have a, an exotic French model show up in the middle of the movie and completely take me out of the sex appeal. I don't know what that poor woman was doing there. Oh, God. She, she was, talks like a replicant or something. What's wrong with her? I think she was, yeah. I don't think she had, she had mastered speech yet. I don't know. I feel. I actually feel sorry for her. Wait, which she, one? Uh, Berenice Marlowe is her name, and she's a, I think she's, go ahead, Dings. Do we, do, bond, she's supposed to be the Bond girl, but, you know. The tragic figure. Like, and, I don't know. She, I don't know what she's been in, Tom. But but yeah, I don't think anything. Like I think she was a, a French model, and they and and she was just awful. Like, and, and it's so obvious too how out of her depth she is. She was just vapid and vacant, uh, and and her trying to pretend she's afraid. She's just conspicuously shaking her finger over, the, over her cigarette, like somebody told her. That's how you pretend you're afraid. Uh, 
I, I just, I mean, it really takes a lot that that woman did absolutely nothing for me in this movie <laughs> because uh, everything uh, else was so darn sexy. No, but that's, I, that's, and I, I, I felt so weird about, I, you know, Tom, I felt exactly the same way. And I felt so weird about that because I love Naomi Harris. I love her so much. And I thought she was so hot. And then he, he goes into the scene with her and he does this weird thing where she says, good evening. And he says, don't touch her ear. And I realized what they're doing. And they're doing this weird dialogue thing in, in their ear pieces. And then he meets up with what's her name. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you're kind of trading down, aren't you, James? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I will say, too, uh, similarly to, um, you know, normally in James Bond, you have big, loud action set pieces, and there was plenty of action here. I thought the climax of this movie, the, the sort of the, the, the final dramatic showdown, um, wasn't necessarily an explosion or a car chase. Uh, I love the fact that the payoff for this movie, the visual payoff, is... The towering Javier Bardem taking into his arms little tiny frail looking Judy Dench. Like I love that that was the sort of the climactic image right there of a, a man holding a woman, <laughs> you know, and that that was what it was all leading up to. Sure, we blow up a house. Sure, we crash a helicopter. Sure, we have this cool little scene on the ice and some gunfights. Uh, but I love the fact that this was what this was where there would normally be the bad guy's lair exploding. It was Javier Bardem just clutching frail little Judy Dench. I just loved the visual of that. Uh, well, it's also, too, it keeps going because then Bond shows up and Knife in the Back, which I thought at the time, I go, is that maybe the weak link in this? But then I thought, no, it's like that's how he beats Javier Bardem, and he also saves him. Like, it's sort of a mirror of what happened at the beginning of the movie. Kind of. Well, sort of. Well, they both suffer. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and they both. I mean, there were so many connections between Javier right. Bardem and, and and James Bond that aren't necessarily highlighted. I mean, they're there when you think about it. And and the fact that Judy Dench basically gave the same order. She basically gave up both of them for a mission. Right. You know, in order to try to to uh, accomplish the mission. Uh, and James Bond is reconciled to that. Javier Bardem is, is not. Um, but I also thought, and I love the movie. Don't get me wrong, but I also thought. Even if what was happening, like, would James Bond have spent six months bitter about him making that call? <laughs> I I loved Kelly Wan the fact that when he comes back and shows up in her apartment, he's kind of sulking. <laughs> yeah, he's like, fuck, man. <laughs> it is great. I had that shit. Why didn't, <laughs> didn't you call? To... And he Why, said, yeah. Didn't you get my postcard? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so much great dialogue in that movie. There really is. It's real. Yeah, there's so much great dialogue from from little one liners to just solid, solid dialogue. Yeah. He knows she's watching through the one way glass. So all his answers are like sniping at her in that word association thing. And it's great. Hey, let me let me ask this. And maybe I'm jumping the gun, but do we know what Skyfall is until that moment where we see this? No. The... Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah, I, like Cause, I don't. Because up until then, I'm thinking it's some British right. uh, code name for something. Because <laughs> right. it goes Skyfall done, you know, or or right. whatever he says at the end of that. Yeah, we're we're done here. Like he leaves. That makes him. He's he's fed up with this. Once once he realizes what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Although, and, and that's a reveal too. Like I love a reveal like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I, by the way, when I heard the name of this, like Quantum of Solace, is a stupid name, and I'm not even sure they ever explain what that means. So when I heard the name of this James Bond movie, it, it absolutely made me not want to see it because I was sure it was going to be about a cyber plot to bring down satellites. 
Like that was <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I know exactly what you're going to do with Which that. Which is like more than half of them already. It's always the plot, isn't it? It's like and the Moonraker. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, Dingus, right. Uh, and I, I just loved that reveal. And by the way, what an, what an amazing, you know, I love movies that progress from a specific type of terrain to another. And James Bond movies, no, movies normally just go through exotic locales. And there's that, there's, you know, there's certainly its share of, of exotic locales in Skyfall. But I love where it ends up on this this lonely moor and this 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 house, you, you know. Yeah. And and what Deacons does with the lighting when the house blows up, oh, um, it's just such a gorgeous conclusion. Uh, and I also love there were so many shots where I thought, oh, pl- no, please just hold that for a few more seconds. You know, <laughs> this is a long movie. You know, this is like two it's like two hours. It flies minutes. by. It, it flies, flies by. by. And, and there were plenty of scenes where I was like, you know what, please, I, I don't mind. Take your time. I want to admire this. And I so appreciated how it was shot. And and where I where I first realized, holy cats, this is not your garden variety James Bond movie, is when they show that sniper fight. With all the crazy lighting, with the glass, I mean, there's a lot of cool setup. But once James Bond engages with the sniper, it's all one take. And I I love that. I love that they didn't edit around that. Uh, You know, I love that Sam Mendes knew how beautiful that was and that he let Roger Deakins just do what it it took to make that a beautiful scene where we could appreciate choreography and it looked stylized and sexy. You know, it was iconic, but it was even kind of 60s-ish, so you could yeah. even, it even works on that level. It's really good. Sorry, Dingus, what? No, no, you got, I just can't, can't imagine the difficulty of filming that scene, and in, in addition, doing reflections that are obscuring where certain characters are supposed to be hidden. Yeah. And in addition to all of the, the advertising lighting that you're seeing, it's just, it is so sensual, it's so gorgeous, it, oh man! It looked like a title sequence. I mean, the title sequence yeah. is great, by the way. Oh, yeah. the title sequence. Do you guys know Adele? Have you guys heard her before? I hadn't heard it. It's they've a great playing, song. They've been playing this song actually for a while. Like this has been this was released early. It was part of how they were building up buzz for the movie. Um, but yeah, she was so perfect for doing oh, James Bond. Sound like a James Bond song. Yeah. I had never heard her before, and this title sequence knocked wait, wait. me out. You're talking about you've never heard Adele before, Dingus. I have Sorry, I had never heard Adele before. Dingus, and, you've been over at my house when it's been playing. You, you've heard Adele. Are you serious? When was like, it playing at your house? Rolling <laughs> in the key party was this. <laughs> that was invited That's right. To. When we were playing Le Havre, I forgot it was an Adele party. <laughs> Come on, have you not heard Rolling in the Deep? Like, that's her big single? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't know that I'm familiar with her. Okay. Um, but when I was watching this, all I can think of was uh, the title sequence for "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo," and how that is just just this weird, overtly trying so hard to be sexy that has nothing to do with the movie title sequence. And this was just so thematic and not overblown. Overblown is the wrong word. That has a pejorative implication. It just had this this higher sort of overture-ish kind of quality to it. And her song was just amazing. I loved the title sequence. Labor of Love by everyone. And And not just that, the the opening set piece, good God, I loved that. that On those on those Turkish rooftops, because that is, that's been used so many times, including in a movie that I didn't really like, but I liked this particular sequence in the International. But the, that motorcycle thing on top of the yeah. Turkish rooftops and the cutting back and forth. Tom, you talk about cutting back and or cutting to like mundane, um, 
mundane locations, I guess, is kind of what you said. But cutting back and forth between Turkey, if it, if, the, if it is that, and and to England in the office where they're where they're uh, managing right. things, I loved the way that was cut, and I loved the way that whole opening set piece was cut. It was just yeah. great. Yeah, it just keeps going, and then it's even got like, oh, tractor train. This is like vintage James Bond. Then it ends the way it ends. Is that's fucking genius. It's great writing. Uh, Dingus, what video game did that Turkish rooftop chase make you want to play? It, it made me want to play Far Cry Two. <laughs> Try there's a there's a motorcycle game called Trials HD, which it made me it's all for, roofs. For you, that, no, you just it? you're just driving a motorcycle along a straight line. It's like a 2D game, but very physics based. Any, anybody who knows Trials HD will appreciate that uh, opening motorcycle chase in, in Skyfall. Sounds fascinating, Tom. And, and I especially just wonder what those people think after the second motorcycle comes through the window. How many more are we waiting for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they knew they were in a James Bond movie, these extras, and that conductor, too. I even love in that first scene, like, uh, you know, it's not a gadget porn movie, but I love when the bad guy pulls out that that machine pistol with the extended mag, that just ridiculous, huge extended what, what that? It just lets you hold more rounds without having to reload. I don't think it's a real thing. It just looked like some ridiculous quasi-futuristic military hardware. I, I don't know what it what it was supposed to be. or You know, maybe there is a such thing, but it was like twin drum magazines for his machine pistol. Um, it was such science a weird, fiction. It was such a weird look, because it was underneath it. it was so yeah. strange. And, and I wondered, too, This uh, so he, he ends up uh, getting shot with a depleted uranium bullet, and he uses that to track the assassin. Um was there some so so a lot of what they're grappling with is that he's getting old and that he's been wounded and stuff is that what was going on or was it somehow radiation poisoning from the depleted uranium uh I, like i love the fact that he was struggling with and javier bardem i think implies that it's because he's old and you see him grimacing and he's sweating when he's holding the bottom of the elevator is it just that he's getting older or is the implication that he's been poisoned i think it's all age okay Although he did have the uranium in him for six months before he knew he had the uranium in him, because he was sitting in Turkey all that time with the wound. Well, that's, I think that's why he's sitting in Turkey, uh, sitting in wherever he is fucking on the, uranium, um, fucking the board. He's, like, bu- bunking with uh, born supremacy. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> that's right. He's the, next, he's the next bungalow over from Matt Damon. Yeah. It's like a, that's what that hotel is. It's like where wounded spies all go to, like, recuperate and go, fucking him, fucking just. <laughs> I picked the wrong car. Tom didn't like the Haywire Gina Carano car. Book. <laughs> um, but I think I think that that I think it's all supposed to be. I think that's the theme. Right. Although I want to play that Scorpion game. Oh, what the heck kind of game is that? I don't. I didn't understand the rules, and I'm not sure why you would ever. Kelly, one, have you ever played that game? Um, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> like you just like. Drink not get or... stabbed in the eye with the stinger is the point of the game. Because yeah. <laughs> everyone went, oh, is this the moment? Like, yeah, is this where ninety? Is this where the ninety-nine percent people like get the stinger according to Rotten Tomatoes in the eye? It's a horrible game. <laughs> what a horrible game! See, I didn't even remember that scene. There's so much shit in this movie that's awesome. Like, I didn't even remember entire sequences of it. I had to remember the motorcycle even when you were talking about it because I was obsessing so... on the sniper. So how did you guys feel about yet another interrogation scene in which the bad guy from behind bars basically is manipulating the rules, a la Hannibal, Loki, and the Joker? Uh, seems to be in vogue, doesn't it? 
And by the way, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, which just came out this week. It always makes the hero look a little stupid, though, because it's like they always get away after that. And it's the middle of the movie, and you're always like, well. Well, and the thing is, that's kind of played out now, but I didn't mind. And here's what I'm, I'm getting at uh, I know someone who is English. <laughs> I consulted with him about this movie because, you know, as a fellow subject of the Queen, I think that's what you call people in England and uh, Australia and Canada, Canada, right? Uh, I figured he would have some unique perspective on this. He told me, here's an Englishman, again, commenting on a, a movie about English intelligence, that he hated it. And when I asked him why, here's an English perspective on why an English person hated Skyfall. And I'm going to read you what he wrote me. Quote, Javier's whole mission was to kill M. So why did he need to get caught and hack the MI6 computer just to walk up to her in court and try to shoot her? And poorly at that. Furthermore, and he had great foresight knowing after his escape that Bond will catch up to him at the exact tunnel he's rigged to to explode right when a train rolls by. (laughs) Then he has a helicopter armed with rockets at the Bruce Wayne Mansion Showdown, complete with loyal Alfred... Finney, uh, but he instead sends five guys with machine guns to run into some Home Alone booby traps. Then, at the end, he just wants to murder suicide with her, but instead, Bond shoots him, and then M dies. So, actually, same outcome. And then my friend ends by commenting, and you imagine he's English, imagine he's saying this as an Englishman, so dreadful. <laughs> I think he makes some good points, actually. Well, he got a couple of things wrong. It was very Kelly Wandian in that. Bond did not shoot him. Exactly. Even Uh, I got that right. That's how. (laughs) And that was not Bruce Wayne's mansion, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, no, but I thought thought that, too. It was like, Orphan, Castle. So here's the question. Also, this is an American movie, so ha ha. Um, I thought Mendez is Mexican. I think this movie belongs to the world. Oh, good point. (laughs) So here's the thing, though. Uh, does either of you guys have an answer? Like, like I can, I don't understand. Like when you when you think about when you try to parse Javier Bardem's plot, I, I agree, it makes no sense. Right, but uh, it's not about him. Well, you know, Tom, you, you had said that you you love you really really loved Javier Bardem in this. I I I think that he's the weakest part of this. As much yeah. as I love him, I know, I know. Uh, I think there's far too much Hannibal Lecter, and and. Uh-huh. And sort of a chagur, and just this. We're gonna throw a blonde wig, and 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 he's just gonna do this normal. And this is very Bond, Bond villain Pat. I'm gonna keep laughing as a villain, kind of a thing that he does. It eventually works because it's so character driven, because it's relationship based, and and I like that fact. But putting him in a lector cage and having a lector type escape, but not letting us see it. Um, a lot of that stuff. And, and also, if all of this is planned so far in advance, I don't think a lot of this, this a lot of his plot holds forth. Because the idea of, of them going into the, the Churchill bunker, the feeling when, when they go into the Churchill bunker is that this is something we just found. And the idea that they discover is that, um, that Silva has made this plan years in advance. And so if he made this years in advance and he hacked them in the Churchill bunker so that the doors open and all these things happen, a lot of that doesn't 
makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it doesn't matter to me, but because because he's created as this sort of lecturesque kind of villain and put in that same kind of cage, and we don't even get to see him escape, which is something I would have liked to see, and there's no reason not to show us, since we know that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I, I just... Uh, well, I don't think that works for me. I'll do you one better, Dick. So you say a lot of it doesn't make sense. I'll say in, none of it makes sense. It's okay. James Bond movie. Fr- exactly. Well, my, I, my yeah, I realize is- that. Yeah, that's true. My, my friend is dead on to sort of raise these as complaints, but that this is not a procedural. You know, this is not a born movie. And as Kelly Wan mentioned, you know, I don't think there's a such. I don't think any James Bond movie doesn't have some ridiculous plot that makes no sense when you consider it. Like I think Quantum of Solace was about controlling water, if I'm not mistaken. Like there, the, Oil, these things. I uh, okay, well I don't. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like it's Dude, about James. controlling explosive drywall. <laughs> right, that that's a it's a vital supply in the world, and the guy corners the market. And well, at any rate, the point being that that I, I don't think that James Bond movies are concerned with with plausibility or with parsing. It's not like a mystery where you're trying to parse what yeah. the bad guy wants. So the fact that Javier Bardem can magically summon basically a train to throw at James Bond at just the right moment, I don't care. The, what what matters to me <laughs> is is the image of that. You know, I, I love the fact that, you know, the image of that train busting through the wall. Uh, it's absurd if you think about it. How could he have planned that at the right time? But it, it looks great. The same with that little uh, glass cage thing. That's absurd. Why not put him behind, like, metal bars or something? It, it's all about the imagery. And and when you when you put that in the hands of someone like uh, Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins, then I care even less. Yeah. And, you know, Dingus, you, you sort of, I guess you were kind of implying that you thought there was, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but there is a certain hammy quality to what Javier Bardem is doing. You know, it's, it's, it's very typical villain stuff. But when you take this script, when you, when you, when you let someone do that with a character that's, that's this well written and this tied into the characters that are already in the movie, I'm fine with that. Just like I'm fine with how ridiculous it is that a train comes flying through the wall, I'm fine with Javier Bardem's ridiculous blonde wig. Um, so, so I didn't mind any of these things, which I, which I see are le- as legitimate objections. They just didn't matter to me. He uh, was. He, I thought he was interesting though, because he's kind of like a gay Bond. Let me tell you that. And and again, this is oh, where I love that moment. I I really like that moment though. Which one? Where he's where he's sitting there with Bond and touching him. And I, not just I thought that, that was great. And not just that moment, Dingus, but his introduction. You know, the fact yeah. Sam Mendes lets that scene go as long as it goes without cutting. Mm-hmm. We see the elevator come down. It's one take. He starts the monologue way at the back of the room. You know, yeah. ultimately there, I, that the thing about the two rats is kind of forced, and they come back to it later. Whatever. I don't care. It's just set up so beautifully. Uh, you know, I, I love that they let us see him that way, that they take... That they let him take his time, and and like Kelly Wan said, he was just so interesting. Uh, yeah. And I, and I love how they also, uh, I guess you kind of have to do this with a villain, but I love how it became really grotesque. Like you, you he has this kind of grotesque Phantom of the Opera aspect. Yeah. He takes out that prosthetic face. I love that part. That was great. Horrifying. Yeah. Awesome yeah. looking. Yeah. And also, too, getting back to the train thing, he's, as a villain, his brand is he's the bond, he's the, like the evil bond. So he can summon trains and go in with gunships and like, <laughs> he's James Bond. He's, he's got Very the same skill set. So he Very can make sh- crazy shit happen. You uh, know, Tom, ultimately I wind up where you wind up. Where, um, 
where I loved seeing that train crash through and just be Im- impacted by the sa- I, the sound of this movie just overwhelmed me and just the the the, the way that train falling through happened and the way Javier Bardem does that performance ultimately I don't care but if but in in referencing what your English friend had to say about it I would have to say that's the thing that stood out for me because it felt very Hannibal Lecterish for me and and sort of standard and pat but if you're going to write that character and have an excellent actor play that I think this is the best you could hope for and I ended up not caring but that's that did stick out for me sure sure uh, Kelly Wand Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, like, if I'm, I'm going to try and like my, my, I think the only time where I, after I was going, maybe that could have been middle of at the very end where it's like, uh, Ray Fiennes passes him like the, the folder and it just says top secret in the window. And he's just like, lots of work to do. Like he's saying that to us. It's like, they're looking at us, the audience go, we're going to make more of these movies. But I thought it would have made more sense if he'd going, all right, yeah, there's this nuke. We got to do a thing with something. I don't know. Uh, okay. Everything's like a reminder that you're watching a commercial for the next. Well, movie. don't all James Bond movies kind of end that way. Like he, no, no, he either, it. Well, yeah, and like he's ignoring the next mission. Yeah, my next mission. Fuck you guys. I'm gonna fuck this chick, and you maybe you'll see me next time shoot people. But for now, I'm really busy having sex. Is the normal ending? But this time, it's like I don't know. So here's a question I have about sex. Uh, uh, isn't the whole point of the actual money penny the sort of sexual tension? Like he he slept he with Naomi her? Harris, right? Yeah, that's that's definitely the implication, but we don't see that. I don't think that's allowed. He's not supposed to sleep with Money Penny. What? I'm not happy about that. Just because well, he, he sleeps with her before he knows she's Money Penny. Ah, good point. It's a reset. <laughs> uh, did you guys not love that shaving scene? Sure, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Loved all the Naomi Harris scenes. Yeah. At first, I was like, "Well, she's a little flighty," uh, but it totally worked. Uh, I didn't mind that. But it seemed unmotivated that he would say, "Hey, you shouldn't be in the field." Like, why would he say? And then she takes him up, like, "Yeah, you're right. Fuck that." Like, because she shot him. Yeah, but I mean, she was a good driver, and now she has a desk. Now she's a desk jockey. She knocked the mirrors off her car. Come on, Kelly. Yeah, she's not that good. Yeah, come because- on. She'll make a great receptionist based on this, this evidence. All right. Can we talk about little moments we liked in this movie? Because this this movie is so big and overwhelming. There's a couple of little moments that are Yes, yeah, so I have a question for you guys about a little moment. Go ahead. What, what was on the bottom of Ben Wishaw's... Wishaw, is that his name, Dingus? Wishaw? Yeah. What was on yeah, the bottom of his... He was in Cloud Atlas. I loved him right. so much. I liked he's him, so too. great. Yep, he's great. What was on the bottom of his mug? I feel like we were supposed to see... What was written on the it bottom? Was Scrabble. It was Scrabble. It was a Scrabble mug. Oh, because uh, he drinks it, out of it, and I thought it was like a usual suspects kind of thing, where there's something right. written on the bottom. We're supposed to. I have. think I think it said Scrabble. Okay, uh, uh, I didn't Dingus, write that down, but I'm just guessing. Okay, Dingus, what is your little thing? Uh, this is I, I loved when um, when James Bond winks, or uh, when he winks at um, I forget. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. after he shoots the fire extinguisher and he just looks over at him and winks at him and goes into the room. 
I should love that. There are just enough of those little gestures, like fixing his cufflinks after falling on the train. Like, it wasn't too much. They were sparing with those kind of suavisms, uh, so much so that I I really did appreciate those. Yeah, that wink was great. Um, Kelly Wan, do you have a little thing you would like to share with us? Uh, there's a little Frenchman in me. One, two, three, not only you and me, that one made Terrible. Three, one, two, in between. That's not funny. It's terrible. You didn't even uh, do your I, little I, moment, I, Tom. Uh, okay, here's one. Uh, it's from a different movie. I rewatched <laughs> it this week just because I love her so much. Uh, I rewatched a movie with Judy Dench called Notes on a Scandal. Yeah. With, uh, Judy like Dench, Kate Blanchett. That movie is awesome. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah, really I, She's amazing in it. Amazing. She's just so, so like bright-eyed and, and, and ruthless in that. And she just has this ruthless observational quality. I love the voiceover in that. But there is, I, I think, some of the, the five most amazing seconds of, of acting that have ever been captured on a camera... Uh, are a moment when Kate Blanchett asks Judy Dench, uh, can I come stay with you? And you have to understand the context. You have to have seen the movie to understand the context. But Judy Dench takes like five seconds before she answers the question. And in those five seconds, you see crossing her face hope, anxiety, relief, and subterfuge. <laughs> in that order. These amazing five traits, just like without a word, barely a flicker. Uh, she's just so good in that movie. So there you go. Wait, so what's the acronym for those four? Uh, it's too much math for me, Kelly Wan. Okay, cool. Sorry. Kelly Wan, how did you, what did you think of Jeremy Renner in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I did kind of feel bad that he wasn't in Skyfall. Poor Jeremy Renner. They oh, did, he's in the... They did one yeah. without him. That was sad. <laughs> uh, all, his, all his movies, he seems like he's playing the same dude to me. Like Hawkeye and and Bourne and Hansel and Gretel. Did you watch that trailer? There are only so many dudes to play. Yeah, they're going to run out eventually. Uh, did you guys, what is the connection between, uh, Ted Gummit, is it a single man, the Colin Firth movie with Julianne yes. Moore? What's the connection between a single man and Skyfall? Uh, is it a song? No. Nope. It's too nope. easy. No. Dingus, do you have anything? The villain's gay. <laughs> a villain in a single man. You're terrible. Colin Firth, the villain. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. Is, is Tank Ray featured? No. Oh no. But God, that Heineken placement. I just wanted to throttle Heineken at that point. Uh, no. So, a single man was directed by Tom Ford. Tom Ford did, did, did Daniel Craig's suits in Skyfall. <laughs> he did them. You know, I, I love. I love how he's he's so rugged and. And just rough, and then he gets to do the um, the tuxedo stuff later on too. I so mean, it's just such a great contrast. Just to touch briefly on politics, something that I really want to see is a biography of David Petraeus in which Daniel Craig plays David Petraeus. <laughs> no. Yes, yes, Kelly Wan. Don't you know me? That is perfect, and you know it. I don't want to see Daniel. Daniel Craig can't play a fuck up. I think Daniel Craig should play the mistress. <laughs> so, by the way, I don't think that David Petraeus, well, you know, except for having the affair. I mean, the whole thing that brought David Petraeus down were, was these uh, these these harridans uh, bitching at each other uh, about. Yeah, but he lets if you let yourself get 
influenced by it. Like, if you're in a, a high-profile job like that, don't you kind of need you're you're sort of giving up the fun of getting to do that stuff. Well, like, not, yell not that according way. not according to David Petraeus, and I think Daniel Craig can do a heck of a job. Yeah, thank you. I just look at those pictures of uh, of David Petraeus, and I'm like, you know, he's got a or and and Daniel Craig, they, they've got a similar quality. I could see that. Do you find that? Well, remember your Veronica? Is this your Veronica Cartwright? Uh, Yes, Kelly. Horses and bayonets. Horses and bayonets, Kelly Wand. You just have weird taste. Kelly Wand, speaking of weird taste, what is this week's 3 by 3 Oh, I want to say one last thing about Skyfall. I read that uh, Roger Moore, who's 85, he thought he considered Skyfall the best one, but I was dying to know what Sean Connery thought of it. I totally want to get baked and watch Skyfall with Sean Connery and just like share his face. Sean, if you're listening, write to us at kelly.wand at gmail.com. I think, you know, Skyfall is definitely the best Bond movie I've ever seen in the theater. There's no Bond movie that made me feel... How many have you seen, though? Because the first one I saw was Spy Who Loved Me. When it was this is the only one I've seen special. in the theater, but uh, I think this is the best one. And that was the third more. This is the third Daniel Craig one. The third Sean Connery one was Goldfinger. So it's like the most famed, like the one where they... See, Timothy Dalton get to do, didn't get to do a third one, so he kind of got bitched. Although Goldfinger's overrated, if you ask me, because he's fucking captive in it the whole movie. It's really annoying. Like, they never kill him. He's just like, he's, and he, it's like the fucking mafia, too, and not even other spies. The mafia, what else, like. What else has Sam Mendes directed that would make us think that he could do this? Uh, Revolutionary Road is directed well. It's got a really pedestrian script, but, uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful movie, and he, he does, he lets uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Kate, uh, not Capshaw, uh, Winslet, uh, do some great work with each other. Um, and you remember too, even though I hated Road to Perdition, like that was a gorgeous movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like he's got a, he's got a great eye. And one, I hate that we're now, did, so did this. Roger, this, did Roger Deakins do that too? Yes, yes. He's Roger Deakins worked with. Uh, he did Revolution Road and Jarhead, I think, with Sam Mendes. I don't oh, think uh, he did not do uh, Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition was, if I'm not mistaken, Conrad Hall, who also did American Beauty, who shot American. Oh, Beauty. okay, okay. Um, but I, I do want to say. Uh, uh, I, I looked at the uh, the screenwriters. Dingus, you mentioned the screenwriters for Skyfall, and one of the things I can't help but wonder: two of the screenwriters are the same guys who have been doing uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. A third guy named John Logan is credited <laughs> with Skyfall, which makes me think, you know, maybe that I, I can't help but wonder: is that why Skyfall is so much better? Did this guy John Logan is he sort of the secret sauce that gave this a great script? And it made me so so. John Logan also wrote uh, Rango, which is that cartoon with Johnny Depp, I think, as a chameleon or something. Uh, And and also, well, I really want to see it because also another thing that that, uh, Rango has in common with Skyfall, just as Roger Deakins is is credited with, and I don't know what the actual title is, I don't know what you'd call it, but like visual consultant for How to Train Your Dragon and WALL-E, Roger Deakins has also had that same credit in Rango. Um, uh, well, John Logan also did the uh, adaptation for uh, Cryolanus. Ah, which, which I is, haven't seen. Which is it's a really good it, it's a really good adaptation, and has Ray Fiennes in it as well. All right. It only takes one great writer to make a great script, if I may. How I many does it take to make a terrible script, Kelly Wand? A light bulb. <laughs> 
Oh, Kelly won. I don't know. But the other two guys, they were writers on Quantum of Solace, but then the writer's strike happened, so they, like, had, like, Daniel Craig was writing, like, improvising shit. And that's what he said. He's like, I'm not a fucking writer. Like, Wait a minute. Daniel Craig was doing improv during Quantum yeah. of Solace? Yeah, and, he, and he, he says, he was like, oh, it was horrible. It was terrible. <laughs> he goes, I'm not a writer. It was fucking irritating. At least that's- now we got good writers instead of me. He's totally mocking James it. Bond do improv? That's like Mike, a Mike Lee James Bond movie. Well, they just didn't have anybody doing it. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? Because the director's a tool. And, uh, so, Daniel, come over here. Just say some Bond kind of stuff. Let's just wing it. We'll, we'll fix it in, in post. Go. <laughs> see what happens? Unskilled labor. He lost a fingertip, too, on that movie. It always bones his oh, so? legs. Wow. One yeah. of his? Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a pocket full of them that he keeps, and one of them went missing? <laughs> Kelly Wan, get us out of here. Get us uh, to this uh, week's three by three. Is this where you really want to be, though, Tom? Is this really out of here? I cannot <laughs> wait to do this week's three by three. I can't either. I'm very excited to know what you picked because mm-hmm. I could tell you're. Ha- well, I like it when you hate topics because um, I think you do your best work. I think negative energy suits you. <laughs> This topic is just, just tagline. <laughs> like that chick who that you broke up with over Spanglish, uh, she didn't get that about you. She didn't get your finer points. Right, yes. <laughs> you ever talk to her? Uh, the Spanglish girl? Good lord, no. I don't, I'm not one of those guys who hangs out with his ex-girlfriends. I'm, uh... Hey, we're trying to <laughs> No. You know what? Ex-girlfriends are kind of... It's, it's actually easier... Yeah, that's, that's what I hear. I don't understand how people do that, but that's that's great for you, Kelly. So, Kelly, what is this week's three by three? Fascinating. Ex-girlfriends that you still hang out with. Go, Kelly. Who's your number three? Girlfriend or topic? Did you understand? Uh, the topic was yes. What was the topic? Three by three at scene. Yes. Or shot right to the end of a movie. Why would you want to do that? Because we're proving we're better than. Daniel Craig. Oh, God. All right. So, uh, Kelly Wan, there's... there's <laughs> yeah! When... I, lo- I love that you call it ad scene or shot to the end of the movie. <laughs> I love how you you interpret your own <laughs> It can change. Yeah. It's like evolution. You know, there's a little, uh, little morphine, little adaptation. You never know what you'll end up with. I don't go first. I don't have the topic. No, you do not go first. I go first. Uh, And what I did with this, I I have no no desire to add scenes or shots to any movie. (laughs) But what I will do, there are certain movies where I have had just such a great time with the cast that I want to see outtakes. So these are <laughs> these are three movies. You sickened me, and you've, this is the worst you've ever broken a topic, and that's saying something. Please no, continue. these are <laughs> hate you. Terrible, terrible podcaster. These terrible. Are, these are Not three movies fun. where I loved the cast so takes. much that I want to spend more time. Hot takes. I love the cast so much. I want to see them flub lines. That's what I thought you meant, Kelly. <laughs> Stupid Tom chick. Writing is not an agenda. My number three pick. I wished there had been outtakes during the credits for Planet Terror. That's interesting. Wow. Dingus, what is your number three pick? (laughs) Dingus, what do you got? uh, Dingus, add a scene or shot to a movie of your choice. What do you got for your number three pick? These are three movies I really like that would have been ruined by adding an extra shot. (laughs) So you're, these are things you don't uh, add extra. You know 
I'm never doing another topic again. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Wait. All right. Uh, Go ahead. What were you saying? not have added a shot to. That's your theme. <laughs> My theme is three movies I really like that I would add a shot to to ruin them. All right. Movies <laughs> that would be added with an extra shot. Got it. Okay. So uh, I'm adding a final shot to Thelma Louise. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the shot is of, of of two seats ejecting from a car with parachutes, and them holding hands as they drift to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Oh, because holding hands is how they it, it's part of their plot, right? I, I dig is you've made you've made room for a sequel. That's awesome. That's right. And I think that uh, all three of mine will make room for a sequel. I'm going to find a topic Tom can break even worse than this. That's my new goal in life. Kelly Wan, what is your number three pick for a scene or shot added to a movie? You know, Dingus actually did something cool there, but he he picked the most stereotypical, easy thing. Like he, well, He's not done yet. He's got two more chances. Uh, that's true. But I want to, we want to, what you did's unspeakable. But anyway. You don't want to see outtakes from Planet Terror? Like what? Were you supposed to like describe one? Jesus fucking Christ! Well, I don't know because I wasn't on the set. I, I want to see uh, I, I want to see Tom Savini, you know, flub a line. Who wouldn't want to see that? Uh, uh, that's good. Michael right. Bean for uh, uh, Michael Parks. Good lord. Uh, uh, Marley Shelton trying to do the thing with her hand and maybe the prosthetic hand falls off or something. Who wouldn't want to see that? Kelly Wand. Okay. Josh Brolin. Uh, doing so, you know, when he uh, he does some gory stuff with like syringes. Come on, don't you want to see how they did that and to have him like break character and laugh because it's so silly? See? I like the prosthetic hand, but just saying syringes doesn't give me much. But all right, whatever. All right, well, what is your number three pick, Kelly? One, what do you have that's better? I'll show you what I meant. Yes, tapic uh, sabotager. My number three is from Return of the King. I would add. Okay, so like. You keep You're going to add a shot. To yeah, I think. Well, I think uh, Peter Jackson beat you to that, Kelly Wand. Hold fourth. Wait, when do you say that during the podcast? Like misuse that phrase. Okay, never mind. So at the end of Return of the King, Frodo wakes up in Rivendell, says goodbye, forty-five minutes, sees Bilbo sail off in the ship, and then they go to the bar, and then they reminisce over many guineas, and they're like, "Dude, eagles!" Yeah. And then uh, they're like, "All right, well, that was cool," and then. Uh, Frodo like starts to sleep and then he wakes up again in Rivendell and then Gandalf comes in smiling again and so it's like Groundhog Day and like Frodo screams gets to do all the goodbyes again so it's like Final Destination meets Groundhog Day and so it's just like so basically Kelly Wand you're doing a synopsis for scenes that don't exist uh, in movies you you wanted to write new synopses for other movies endings no no the last shot's Frodo screaming in bed. <laughs> That's explaining why that's a good shot. You know. Kelly, on my number two pick would be the change-up. I would like to see outtakes from that during the credits with uh, Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds and and Leslie Mann. What do you think of that? Halo lovers, you can reach Tom <laughs> by snail mail at something something uh, Mergle Troyd. What's your fucking street address? I'll send. I'll put it out there, and I'll give you his phone number too. Thing is, what is your number two pick for a scene or shot added to a movie that may or may not ruin it? All right. Well, I added a final shot to the fountain. <laughs> Dingus, you're awful. So after Tom Creel buries the prickly seed pod thingy in the snow, Izzy, First of played all, by Rachel well, Weiss. Yes, Go yes. ahead, Tom. What? 
First of all, nobody in the course of his name, in the course of the movie, ever says his last name, so that's creepy when you mention it. Tom Creo. And, Stop it. Uh, <laughs> Rachel Weiss plays Izzy Creo, his wife. Ugh. She wakes up with a gasp in her hospital bed. Her vital signs have improved. It turns out all of this was a dream. Um, Tom Creo enters the room, and he's just so happy that she's fine, and he's cradling their pet monkey, Donovan. It, <laughs> It turns out, in real life, he's not a scientist, but a, but he runs a petting zoo. Kelly Wan, that was... Is that what you wanted, Kelly Wan? Yes. Happy. At least Dingus tried, Tom. What did I you... tried. I want to see no. Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds cracking each other up. Come on. See, that's more than you said before. You just went, oh, outtakes in general. Dingus, how about your life? Like what? Like what? So the, like where they forget they're the other guy? We know actually. I think there are outtakes on the DVD, so or the Blu-ray. Uh, I would take those and I would put them over the end credits. No, I, you know what? I'll I'll improve your foolish number two. Yes. Uh, let, you'll, there's like a final shot at the end of the change up where Leslie Mann switches bodies with that statue that they pee on. Not funny. Not funny Fuck at you. all. Fuck you. <laughs> Kelly, what's your number two pick? At the end of Star Wars. All right. My number one. <laughs> Wait. Oh, it's yeah. short. There's more. Okay. Star Wars Episode Four. Uh, Vader's ship crashes into the medal ceremony and explodes and blows off C-3PO's arm. And then the Rebel Army, like, cheers and shoots lasers at the ceiling like an idiocracy. And then the next seven movies never happen. Uh, my number one is uh, Pitch Perfect. I would. I loved Pitch Perfect. I would love to see more Anna Kendrick, more Brittany Snow. Uh, I just want to see the, the the cast just seem to be having such a great time. Show me outtakes during the credits of them singing badly. No, they could sing badly or poorly. They could be cracking up, just, just hanging out. Uh, Kelly, one, you should see Pitch Perfect. I think Dingus can back me up on that. Oh yeah, definitely. Dingus, what is your number one pick for a movie? that would be ruined with an added scene or shot? Well, my number one is a movie called Meek's Cutoff, which I know Kevin uh, ha, ha. objected to the end. So in, in, in my final shot, um, the caravan crests a ridge, and we see spread out before them an enormous asphalt parking lot and a shopping mall. And it turns out that uh, M. Night Shyamalan directed this, and not Kelly Wright. <laughs> Uh, so, wait, I like that. That's actually not a bad ending for that. It's good. Kelly Wan, there's a there's a horror movie called The Apparition, which is terrible, and it's set in like Costa Mesa or something. Uh, and the climax is the main character. She's this woman who's been haunted by a ghost. Uh, she goes into she has a vision where she goes into a Costco, and it basically swallows her up. What do you think of that? Wait, what is it? <laughs> Never mind. Kelly, what is your number one pick for a film or motion picture that needs a different sequence or scene at the end? Okay, at the end of Close Encounters. Oh, God. Oh, God. The mothership lands at Terry Garr's mom's place, and Roy Neary comes out and goes, Ah, see? And then he goes back, and then they go back up. All right, uh, runners. Oh, no, we have, let's see if we have a. Uh, no, we have to runners up first, don't we? And then you read the. Readers? I did not have any runners-up, so if you guys have runners-up, uh, what what are they? I have two. I, I didn't have any. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, at the end of The Omen, the kid, remember where he's like, the kid's smiling? 
at the end, you, you, the shot just keeps going, and then he makes Satan's horns with his fingers. And then also at the end of They Live, um, the chick just keeps fucking. Like, she doesn't care that she's fucking an alien. Because she's like, eh, well, not that different. All right, and uh, what do we have from our listeners, Kelly Wand? Oh, I didn't... Was that me to do that? I didn't do that. <laughs> this is awesome. I don't know how to open that. I made a few minutes. I forgot edit. that was supposed to be V. <laughs> edit point. Oh. All right. Well, uh, instead of that, then, so let's go next week's 3x3. Three three. This is me. Uh, I will be uh, – I have a question for you guys. Uh, Dingus, name the full title of the movie we refer to as The Assassination of Jesse James. The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I have a question for you. Do you feel that Robert Ford was a coward? Uh, I feel like he was the protagonist of the movie. And and I, I sort of feel like what is a minor spoiler, but what he did at the end of the movie wasn't necessarily out of cowardice. There was fear involved, but I think there was a sense of like self-preservation, uh, protecting his brother. Uh, yeah, I feel yeah. like it wasn't cowardice at all. And, and, and that's sort of the point of the movie is that he was perceived as a coward. You know, the, the fallout of what he did afterwards. Uh, he was tagged unfairly with, with cowardice. Um, and I'm always struck by that, that that's featured so prominently in the title, but that that's not really an accurate depiction of what he does. Um, so what I want from you guys, uh, you, you know, cowardice in movies is normally something that the craven loudmouth or a villain does, you know, maybe one of the survivors like Matt Dillon in Poseidon Adventure, you know, he's the coward. Uh, what I want from you guys are examples of ex- are exceptional acts of cowardice. In movies. Now, do with these words as you will. Uh, oh, I will, Tom. Then you're more than welcome to. Cowardice can mean what, what you would like it to mean. And exceptional can either mean uh, extreme or uncharacteristic. Uh, use it however you like, but just keep in mind that I'm looking for exceptional acts of cowardice, whatever those words mean to you. I will not be fielding any questions because I, I want you to interpret those as you will. I have a question. Uh, what is your question, Kelly? One, I will not be answering it, but you won't what be I, fielding it. I will not. not. <laughs> I'm not Can you give an example of what you're talking the about? Assassination of Jesse James. Oh, oh, but something I've seen. It's not like. Did stupid. you see? Uh, well, that, Kelly, one, it's up to you. Like, what do you consider as exceptional? What do you consider an act of cowardice? Um, you mean exceptional act- all the way? Like America's ex- a nation of exceptionalism. Uh, that's you almost touched on an actual political theory, but but no, that's uh, exceptional exceptional <laughs> theory. A couple of things you can either it can either mean extreme or it can mean the exception, uncharacteristic. So as I mentioned, what I want from you guys are, are just make sure that you are somehow involving that word, extreme cowardice or uncharacteristic cowardice. Use exceptional however you like. Um, for, and, and, and the reason I bring up Matt Dillon, it's not exceptional because a lot of times it's a convenient uh, shorthand to, to show that a guy is a villain or a bad guy or an unsympathetic character. Just make him do, you know, he's he's cowardly throughout. He's just, he does normally cowardly things. Um, so you're saying it can mean extraordinary cowardice, and that's what's exceptional. Like, boy, that guy's a real chicken shit. Like, not only did he that run is away, great. but he yes. that is jumped. Great. Or unusual. Correct, yes. yes. Okay. I can't wait to talk about this next week and find out what really inspired this. I Yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out. 
Okay. So, yeah, so, that's, what a cool idea. That's kind of cool. And we'll see what, what people come you up guys. with. can break it. Go ahead. <laughs> see if you can uh, tear this three by three down. Uh, well, I'm a little nervous, but I like it. Huh. Uh, see, that's cowardice right there, isn't it? Yeah. See, the, uh, is exceptional. it exceptional? But is it no? No, no not it's typical. Typical. The way the way Tom typically breaks other people's topics, and then um, oh, is that a topic? I wasn't aware that we had one of those this week. <sighs> the listeners weren't aware either. What's the thing? Email. What's the thing? Where is the email? Oh, oh. But by there? the way, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, I actually next week will read <laughs> reader submissions that we have. If you have anything that you feel is an exceptional act of cowardice from a movie, please let us know. We would love to read it on the air. You can reach us at three by three. That's three mm-hmm. x three at quarter to three dot com. Um, and we look forward to uh, seeing what you have for us. Uh, join wait, us. Wait, wait. Just talk for a couple. Seconds. Wait, you have to tell what uh, what movie we're going to see too. We will be seeing. Join us next week for that, uh, as well as we will be seeing Lincoln, which opens wide next week, I believe. Um, and there we go. I'm Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Malinsky. It's actually Christian Morosky. I don't think so. And Kelly Wand. Thirty-five dollars. <laughs> boom! 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 Shoot your eye down. I was gonna make a big end. Uh, uh, in my arms. Uh, <laughs> I'm in love with you. How do you think this was a Love that is true. So you know what the best musical accompaniment for a helicopter flight since Apocalypse Now? Yeah, absolutely right. The way you talk. And you talk that tall. <laughs> you knock me out. Right off of my feet. I guess when I'm replaced with Jeremy Renner, uh, I'll be better at looking up what the listeners wrote. Huh. Last rat standing.